0: Hello, I'm Mary Sabatino, Vice President and Partner at Gallery Lalong & Co., and it is my pleasure to welcome you once again to Viewpoints with Gallery LeLong. In this episode of the Viewpoints podcast, we'll hear from collector Pamela Joyner and the artist Samuel Levi-Jones on the occasion of Jones's solo exhibition, Mass Awakening on View at Gallery LeLong & Co. in New York City. San Francisco-based collector, Pamela Joyner, has amassed what has been called the most important collection of African-American art in private hands. Together with her husband, Fred Jufrida, she has made it her mission to elevate African-American artists and their art by including their work in the collections of major museums and institutions all over the world. Pamela serves as chair of the Tate Americas Foundation, and she sits on the boards of both the Art Institute of Chicago and the J. Paul Getty Trust in Los Angeles. Samuel Levi Jones unmakes and remakes objects to question their moral and ethical implications. As an artist living and working between Chicago and Indianapolis, he uses varied materials such as reconfigured law books and stripped apart sports equipment to understand how seemingly different narratives intertwine, and correlate. Following his first museum solo exhibition at Newfields, formerly the Indianapolis Museum of Art, Jones' solo exhibition, Mass Awakening, is currently on view at Gallery Lalong & Co. in New York City. For Pamela Joyner and Samuel Levi-Jones, and from all of us at Gallery Lalong & Co., thanks for joining us today.
1: I'm Pamela Joyner, and I'm a San Francisco-based collector. And I'm so thrilled to have an opportunity once again to have a chat with one of our favorite artists from our collection, Sam
2: Levy-Jones. And I am Samuel Levi-Jones, and we are in Chicago for the week of Expo 2019. Yeah, So we just, like, came up, asked you to do this, like, I feel like within the last few days. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. (laughs) And so it worked out that we're um, in the same location at the same time, so that we're we're able to do this and kind of like recap our, our relationship in a way.
1: Yeah. So I want to say we met in 2014. Was that right?
2: Yes, it sounds right.
1: And that was your last year in school or right after? It was
2: about a year and a half after I finished. okay.
1: And so I remember Franklin Sermons uh, introducing me to the work uh, and me ringing up and begging to come to your studio, which was then in Oakland. Uh I, you know, saw the work and fell in love with the work and bought the first piece we owned right then and there. The first three pieces we bought, one was red, one was white, and one was blue. (laughs) And so I'm threatening to hang all three of those together at one point but I just thought the work was so smart and so uh, unique. Uh, So maybe you could talk a little bit about sort of where your head and your practice were at that point in time.
2: I think at that time, it seemed very early on because that was at the very early stages of, of making the work.
1: Yeah, I think I, I think you told me that I was the first collector to ever buy the work. Yeah, is that right?
2: Pretty much, well, definitely one of the first. I think I had a show. I of my first shows in LA at the time, and we placed a few pieces, and then, but that was about definitely within the same time frame. Mm-hmm. And you know that work started with it was it followed the piece that I made called Forty Eight Portraits Underexposed. Uh, that was a reactionary piece to Gerhard Richter's work. It was just a continuation of de- deconstructing the books. But, yeah, when we, when we met, I was like, I didn't know of you or know anything about you. And then when, you got, when I got the email from you, and it was interesting that, you know, Franklin made the connection because I met Franklin in graduate school. Ah. And he spoke at the, I think he spoke at um, San Francisco Art Institute, if I remember correctly. And one of the instructors who was on my committee he mentioned that Franklin was speaking, and I didn't know Franklin at the time. And he kept asking me if I was going to attend this lecture, and I was like, "He, he's trying to get me to go to this lecture for some reason. And yeah, so I met him, and I went down. I was actually had not been to L.A. yet at the time, so I went down. That was last my last year of grad school, and I met Franklin. And so, yeah, it was like really exciting for him to circle back And then it makes this introduction, like, and I have no idea how it's going to go when you come visit. Yeah, and and here we are.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But at the time, I thought you really fit into our collection and our collection mission, because, you know, our aesthetic focus is on abstraction, but we do have a fair amount of Conceptual work in the collection, but in order for us to get there uh, with work that is conceptually based, it has to have, you know, sort of an abstract aesthetic and a really a standalone aesthetic that it has, you know, wall power that is compelling uh, without knowing the narrative. So it's a pretty narrow band that we that we travel in, and I, you know, I thought your work had both elements, right? It had certainly the the formalist abstract sensibility, but it was so multifaceted in terms of how uh, it addresses history and how it endeavors to correct history. And that one was pretty resonant because our whole collection mission is to fill in a blank in the arc of art history and to Tell stories that have been omitted, or to tell stories like yours that are currently unfolding, but to make sure that they're highlighted and properly conceptualized and contextualized. I mean, I, I actually saw, you know, a real simpatico in terms of what our collection is trying to do and what your practice is focused on. And so, so from twenty fourteen, tell me a little bit about, you know, so I, I did see the current show. At Lelong, and so how's your practice evolved from the point at which we met in 2014 to the point that you installed your show a few weeks ago uh, in New York at Lelong?
2: In terms of the medium that I'm working with, there have been additions. Those first works that you got were made from encyclopedias, and along with those have come the law books and then the medical books. And then also recently, art books. We're also working with football material, like literal footballs and football tackling and blocking pads. And so with the addition of material in terms of the idea of dealing with power and power structures, like all of those sort of like fall into a category, if you will, sort of like mining these various power structures and deconstructing them and sort of making these visual objects to be able to have dialogue around them. And especially with the, the books, you know, they, you know, the process has abstracted more from using the full cover of a book to cutting it up to now pulping it to where it's completely not recognizable as a book and, and may almost sort of appear maybe as, as paint, if you will. I also think about the relationship of abstraction to how individuals, and I sort of, you know, address, you know, through the work, I'm trying addressing issues in sort of subtle ways and then also overt ways of things that are, like, really difficult to talk about. Thinking about how, as a society, like, we're sort of abstracted to not give attention to those things that are going on within us and, and around us. And so it's, like, this way of sort of, like, slowing down and hopefully capturing someone's attention to have some sort of conversation about this and sort of, like, create a different way of, like, thinking and existence, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, so I think in our collection, I know we have the encyclopedias, the law books, the history books. I think we might have the very first one of the pulped pieces from the, two years ago?
2: That when one? When you were at the yeah, residency? Two, yeah, two years ago. Yeah. So you had the first pulped piece, and you also had the first football piece was actually a football and basketballs okay is, no yeah is it
1: footballs and, and, basketballs, and, and basketballs that went from yeah. the recology exactly presidency? yeah and do we also have the first law book piece was that the one that was in, or was it not the first
2: one it might not be the very first one that was one of the first ones, because it was a Studio Museum. I'm pretty sure it was one of the first. Okay. So it was one of the three large pieces at the, at the Studio Museum exhibition. Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: so because I think the Studio Museum has two, and we have the third one. Exactly. Okay. But we don't have a medical book piece, <laughs> so I, we have to fix or, that.
2: Or an art book piece.
1: No, no, no. We have, remember the one that has Black in America, or is that a history book?
2: That's history.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay, so we don't have an art book piece. Okay. Okay, well, we have to work on that. <laughs> So, but you mentioned that, you know, that you're dealing with subjects that are difficult to discuss and, you know, I'm sort of reading between the lines that one of the things you're endeavoring to do is to make those dialogues more accessible. But how would you describe sort of the key points of entry to that discussion, basically the subjects that are tough to discuss that you'd like to see explored more fully?
2: I think it definitely came out through the current exhibition at La Long, titled Mass Awakening. And through the making of that work, there were a couple of things that happened. And, you know, one of which was the passing of Toni Morrison. And then, so one of the pieces that I have in that show, I'm trying to remember the name of the original title, but so there was a title of the book, which she wanted to title the Wrath of Children. And then, you know, I think the publisher and some other individuals encouraged her to give it the title that it has. And so I was also thinking of, you know, the issue with, you know, the Jeffrey Epstein case, which I've been paying attention to for some years now, but it's like I've never publicly or like openly talked about it. So like it was in mainstream media, if you will. So I thought about that, and then I also thought the trauma that's been imposed on, on children and then i was thinking about tony and then that's so i gave it i titled it you know the wrath of children sort of like the exposure of, the, of this and sort of like dealing with it um and and then also so sort of like i'm wondering if if you know if it's really going to be dealt with or if it's like not going to be dealt with and sort of like you know pushed to the side and sort of just be a continued thing
1: so the so other I mean, the other nice surprise in your current show was the sculptural piece and so i know you know football is part of your biography, Mm -hmm. but should we expect to see more sculpture? Are you experimenting with sculpture? Is it a natural extension of the narratives that you're exploring in your current practice?
2: I think I do want to do more. You know, the significance of that piece is that I used that piece of equipment when I played high school football, and it's a a tackling sled, a one-man tackling sled, and they—the school actually has a larger sled that's like a seven-person tackling sled. That's—I'm pretty sure it's being decommissioned because they have a newer one, so it's just sitting off on the side of the field. And I would actually like to to get to get that piece and you know deconstruct it and make something out of it. I have something in mind. Yeah, I think it's it's something that I want, definitely do want to continue doing. It just has such personal significance to it. And I think for me, my experience in playing sports was sort of like an early experience of sort of like learning how to navigate the world, if you will, and like being in the space with a bunch of other individuals and like, I don't know, sort of, you know, also learning different things and like discipline being one of those and existing with other other individuals and having like a common goal and sort of like learning that and also the politics of it as well. So, you know, versus high school, and playing high school and, and and college football, I went to a small school in Indiana, Taylor University. and Experienced, you know, issues of racism on the field and within the classroom. And so at that point, for me, it was no longer fun. So I was really dealing with politics, like in a very different way. And experiencing it wasn't overt. So like this covert thing that was happening, and then sort of like if I tried to express it with other individuals, sort of like it was like trying to describe a conspiracy theory, if you will. And like, no, I'm like, no, this is really happening. So for me, that's very sort of close. And it's like, you know, I'm also like working out personal things as well. And it's sort of like, so, you know, deconstructing these these pieces of equipment, sort of like, you know, deconstructing this thing from my past, you know, disrupting the power that it has over me, if you will.
1: So how do you get from, you know, sort of a Midwestern kid, you know, enamored of football to deciding you want to be an artist, right? Yeah. I mean, how did you navigate that path and how did you discover all of that?
2: So when I, when I was at Taylor, I took... So there was one summer, it was actually the summer of 2000, and the team, we took a trip to Europe. It was like a nine-day trip when we played a couple of, ex, of exhibition games. And I had a point-and-shoot camera with me and I probably took about a dozen rolls of film. And it was sort of my, just my way of seeing things. And when I got back to the States, actually my last semester of school, I enrolled in a photography class, just a black and white photography class. And I was, technically I was good at it. And I enjoyed making the prints. It was like the light bulb came on. And... So, you know, several later, years later, I put together projects and I, and I applied to the program at the Heron School of Art and Design in Indianapolis, having no idea what I was going to get myself into because I'm thinking, like, I'm, I'm going to take some photo classes and that's it. And then I go in and apply in the for courses and find out that I have to take three semesters of drawing, which I've never like spent time drawing or really, really making at all. And I got through it just fine. Uh, and so... And it was really interesting, you know, growing up in a small town and not having sort of opportunity or or exposure to to the arts was like a big part of it. I think if I had had the exposure at an early age, I would have started making sooner than as opposed to like my mid-twenties. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Interesting. So, I mean, that's really interesting because your two daughters are so artistically inclined and talented but they they live with it every day i suppose
2: yeah so i think about that sort of like that juxtaposition of my experience versus theirs yeah it's pretty wild to, to see happen yeah, yeah. that's interesting yeah. so it
1: must have been in your dna you just needed
2: something to unleash it yeah i wish my, my mother had natural artistic ability I, I rarely tell this story, but she was. I don't, I don't even know if I've told you this story. No. But no, she was. You she served a year in prison. Oh, you
1: didn't tell me that.
2: Yeah, and uh, I was ten years old at the time, and I still. So, we we would write back and forth, my brothers and I, letters, within that year, and you know, we got our school pictures one year, and we you know mailed her our school pictures, and she drew portraits of us, like the three of us, like she did two of them. And I st- I still have one of them, and my grandmother had it for quite some time, and I ended up getting it after she passed away. And so, yeah, she sort of had that natural skill and that talent, but never really. She never
1: had a platform no, to demonstrate it. No, no.
2: Interesting. And she, yeah, she, she struggled and still struggles with substance abuse, so that sort of that got in the way of it. And it was really interesting enough, and, like, we weren't, really connected so she didn't raise me or my brothers uh, and i thought that through the making it would be a way for us to to connect you know but it it didn't yeah. happen yeah but that's okay
1: yeah so speaking of platforms you know we have this artist residency and you were one of the very first artists uh to come visit and you were kind enough not only to come yourself but to bring your fabulous family with you And so we have certain hopes for that residency, but I'd be interested in hearing about whether the residency's had any impact on your practice or how, just how do you think about it.
2: I think it has had influence indeed. I think it's a way to, it's been a way to sort of like escape and be in a different context and like potentially think differently. And then also, you know, you do the thing where, you have people come come up and visit so like there's potential to meet different people have different conversations new conversations yeah but i think it is somewhat remote you it is know, remote. It's a bit of a trek to get <laughs> up and down the hill so you're sort of you i mean it's like you're there and you're and and you just there so you just sort of dive into it and the, it's a great space there's something very positive about it the view is amazing and so yeah, just so like being able to look out. And what what is it? Like probably like an hour drive north of the city? It's an hour exactly to yeah. the city. And then so you're up and you look out and you can actually, you know, you've driven an hour away from the city, but you can still see the city, both, you know, San Francisco and Oakland. It, yeah, it's 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 been a, a great experience. Um, and then also, you know, spending time there with my family. So we're just like there hanging out and bonding. And I'm trying to remember back on sort of like the daily – how things, like, happen throughout the day, if you will. I mean, we'd get up, eat breakfast, and then there's probably, like, two periods of the day where we spent time in the pool, like, you know, during the day, if you will. And then one, I think the last time we were there, the girls did camp. They did camp. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think they went to the animal shelter. Did they really? Yeah. They did that for a week. And then so they'd be gone, and I'd work, and we'd come back and have dinner and play in the pool some more, and then I'd go work some more. I think for us it's just it's nice we have this thing where we just sort of enjoy a change of pace and being in a different place. It's also a place where we're together and there's like no one else really around, so like we're committed to like to bonding and engaging with one another. Well, that's great. Yeah.
1: That's great. So now you've you've had a really busy year. You have this survey show up in um Indiana and in Indianapolis. You have a uh, you've had a couple of gallery shows this year. Three. Has it been three? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, do you feel as like do you feel exhausted or do you feel, you know, as though you have lots of new ideas? I guess I'm I'm curious about what you see as the next phase. Are there things you'd like to make that you haven't made that you have an idea of at this point?
2: Well, you know, the the Paul's paintings, I have ideas for those.
1: Yeah. I love the one that we bought um that the smart commissioned actually. Um oh you haven't seen it. We hung it in Sonoma. It's great.
2: So get it's to, huge. Yeah. It's big. So I get to see it. So Yeah. Yeah. There, I, that work still has, you know, it's really interesting because you know, so when I made the, the the smaller one that you have substance. <laughs> it's funny because I pulped that material with a food blender. And now I'm using this, you know, uh, an actual beater that's, you know, made. It's like an industrial beater for making pulp. But when I made, was making that and I first put the few bits of pulp on it, I w- it was kind of strange uh, because, you know, when I'm working with the actual book covers, so I'm just like piecing them together, if you will, and sort of like a puzzle in a way, maybe even like Tetris. Yeah. And so with the pulp, it was like, I had to stop and I was like, I'm thinking about this way too much. And I was like, Shit, I'm actually painting in a way. Yeah, they read like paintings. Yeah, so I had to, I had to sort of like remove myself from that and just sort of go at it, and it was, it was a a bit liberating in a way. It's less, less constricted because they don't
1: have to fit together.
2: The books have to fit together. Exactly. Yeah. So there, I've only made maybe I don't know six or eight of those, you know, thus far. And you know when I, so when I was working on the smart museum project at the very end of it, I just out of curiosity, I took you know blue and red pulp and threw them together, and it made purple. So there's that too. There's there's I think there's a lot that I can do with it. So I'm excited about that. And uh, there, there you know one of the other things that I don't know, I think you saw the work. I think it was up at Freeze last year, maybe the piece made from life preserver vest. Yes. And that yeah, was what's of, that about? That was in that was different. That was in response to refugee crisis, and you know it was really it was really neat because that year the the booth at the gallery sort of like had this theme of like immigration and migration, and so I you know made this piece, and and I told the gallery that I wanted to donate a portion of my cell to um, you know an organization that was working with refugees. And they said, oh, well, you know, we should do the same thing. We should donate a portion of the sales of the entire booth to an organization. And so I've only made one of those. I want to revisit that. And, you know, recently I've had this sort of itch to revisit photography.
1: Oh, wow. Well, the
2: 48 portraits are beautiful. Thank you. But you
1: haven't really done any photography since then. I haven't.
2: Yeah. So just sort of, you know, I don't know, whatever comes to me when I feel like I should be addressed and 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 just find out the best way to to address it but i think i don't know i keep thinking about photography a lot interesting um, not as a departure but i just feel like i don't know you know what's interesting when i had the survey show in indianapolis it was the first time that you know works of different medium actually got to be in the same space and then so that was how the mass awakening the current exhibition came together where i actually put different different things together
1: so are there very current day political events cuz a lot of your work does seem to respond to immediate political not just events but crises. Hmm. My read of that is that you're a, you know, a deeply feeling and caring person and so like in at your essence you respond to those elements of the environment. And so have you, is there anything that you've been thinking about today that you think you might translate into work or maybe it's just a quieter time
2: and maybe I think it's somewhat of a quiet time for me personally I think it's just going to just be a short pause though because there isn't anything specifically that I can think of you know aside from I don't know you know we're, we're about due for another you know it's coming up on another election if you will and
1: that's the quiet before the storm yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah yeah
2: and so I um I think I always I you know I think in, in most situations when we think about something or we discuss something in terms of problematic we sort of see the the very end of a problem that if that makes sense rather than sort of the root of the problem and so I try to like deal with my work in that way and try to have like like create conversations around that so in terms of like going through another process of election and thinking about having a conversation about like oh who do you think is you know would be a good fit like you know what person are you thinking about you know the the reality is that sort of like the whole process of coming up with this one individual is very problematic and thinking about ways, in, in the ways that I deal with the work and I make the work, I deconstruct it. Like, so thinking about how the system should be deconstructed and remade, if you will, rather than sort of like doing the same thing and continuing to expect a new result.
1: Is there a way we can reconfigure the process to come up with a different and better result? I guess is one question. We need, be be the,
2: we need to change the conversation and i think it is changing and you know also talking about you know voter disenfranchisement and like the nuances of that and really taking sort of action about you know dealing with individuals who want to be in those positions to make those decisions like having that conversation and desiring and wanting them to have that conversation if that makes sense I think in a lot of ways, like deal with a lot of things, and I think about a lot of things. It seem maybe uh, it seems like if I'm like pessimistic, but I have a lot of optimism. No,
1: I don't think of, <laughs> I don't think of you as a pessimistic person at all. I think of you as something like a sponge. You absorb the environment, and then you do the the best of what the best artists do: is you hold a mirror up to society and show us what is more difficult for us to see but that which is real and that which is true and that which is critical. Mm-hmm. You reframe important questions in a way that we might have a prospect for coming to better and clearer answers. So I think that is the best of what artists do. And I, so so that said, I'm really looking forward to you coming in November, right? Uh, to the residency, but the ladies aren't coming, I guess. They're gonna be there for
2: part of the time. Okay. Yeah okay. yeah.
1: okay. That's good. Because it's kind of not this. I mean, we love you, but, you know, we have to have the ladies
2: there too. So. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. I might be pretty lonely. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll see if I'll be able to function. Okay.
1: <laughs> Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs>
0: And thank you, our listeners, for joining us once again for Viewpoints with Gallery Lalong. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and visit our website, gallerylalong.com, where you can subscribe to our email newsletter and keep up to date with exhibition and artist news. From all of us at Gallery Lalong, thanks for listening.